Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing out there? Big Dave and Joe, and also Joe Costello joining us tonight. Uh, just back from vacation, so uh, we want to talk about uh, his trip to Vegas, and we'll get to that probably in just a moment here. Uh, obviously, this is a very sad time in this world. Uh, all the things that are on the news. We're not going to talk about the earthquake in Haiti. We're not going to talk about uh, the government in Af- Afghanistan and the U.S. departure there. Uh, because, let's face it, uh, we're not going to solve any of those problems. And there's plenty of places where you can get more accurate news and na- analysis about that. Uh, but I'm sure we'll work in a little talk about coronavirus. Uh, it's on our mind every single day. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. It is going to affect the World Series of Poker, and I got a couple of notes on that that we'll get to shortly. Uh, also, uh, we just finished a big tournament over at the Seminole Hard Rock, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. A little disappointing for me because uh, I did come down with COVID myself, even though I've been uh, vaccinated um, with the Pfizer vax, both shots of the Pfizer vax, uh, vaccine. But unfortunately, I did come down with it. I felt fine, um, had some symptoms for a couple of days, but not, you know, very mild. Really didn't affect my life in a negative manner, but I just didn't feel like I could fake my way through and show up to a tournament and and make a bunch of of, uh, world famous poker players sick, not to mention friends of mine that work there and that sort of thing. But they had a great tournament. The downside is that there was a lot of people that we've had on the show before that we probably will have on the show again that I would have loved to have recorded some interviews with, but I was unable to do that. But uh, a lot of people I'm sure are tuning in. They, they may have expected our show last week to cover a lot of the tournaments. Uh, we did have to uh, tape the show a little bit early and uh, that is why there, it was more of a generic type show, but we will talk some results today and uh, the things that happened over there at uh, Hollywood and Seminole Hard Rock, uh, just a tremendous uh, job again by that facility that just uh, shines brightly. And speaking of shining brightly, I don't know if you've uh, saw the uh, the Guitar Hotel trophies that they gave out. It was just beautiful, kind of a uh, p- blue glass prism in the shape of the guitar, and it was just gorgeous. And And if you had a tournament and you were thinking about shopping, we were certainly going to leave something on the table to play for and, and take home one of those trophies for sure. So I do want to talk a little bit about that. I will save that for a little bit later in the show. I want to start uh, by going to a happy place uh, that all uh, uh, important gamblers and people who like to have fun have, and that's Las Vegas because we're coming up on the World Series of Poker. <laughs> And my producer, Joe Costello, just got back from uh, vacation. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about that with Joe and Joe. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Rodriguez, uh, I guess it's been a few months since you've been out there, but you're very familiar with that area as well. So uh, jump in anytime you want, Joe Rod, and uh, we'll uh, hear from uh, Joe Costello, who just got back from, what, five days out there in, in uh, Sin City? Yeah, that's right. But before I get to that, uh, I just want to tell you that uh, – I've had this wonderful pet dog for many years, and we just had to put it down. Oh, no. No, I just wanted to pile on a little more sadness. <laughs> Under the top. No <laughs> dog. 
Shopping with your parents? And what? What's that? Did I go to Vegas with my parents? No. Did you? The dog live with the parents? No. The dog is totally made up. It's just a joke. But see, <laughs> look how it has lightened up the mood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see? I certainly would have believed uh, if you said you had a pet dolphin, you know? Right. Know. Well, exactly. It's just uh, just me piling on the pain for my own fun. Hey, it's a tough time in the world, right? But you got to forge forward. There have been tough times in the past. And yes, I did go to Vegas. I was there from... Um, two Saturdays ago until Wednesday. So Saturday to Wednesday kind of deal. I tried, you know, I got there on the Saturday, so there Saturday night. Um, stayed in a couple of different places. Had some amazing, fantastic experiences. Um, it, it was interesting. Had a lot of conversations. I thought a lot about this show. Uh, you, J-Rod, working in the uh, casino business. And, of course, Dave, now you as the brush uh, just uh, so much more personal insight to what's going on in the business and everybody that works in there. And, you know, I, I call it a 10 out of 10 trip. I had a great time. And I'm, let open, me preface, I'm open let me to questions. Let me preface this by saying uh, that uh, you have traveled to Vegas many, many times covering auto racing and the, and the stuff you do on TV and radio. Um, but, uh, this was, uh, this was a pleasure trip. You, you went out there with the uh, Gio, uh, our other producer who has done probably the majority of these shows over the years and his family. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your arrangements were as far as, uh, having good times. Okay. Well, I would, I will, first I will say that they have, uh, brought back the mask mandate in the casinos. And I know that many people find that to be a negative, but, Having been there and experienced the casinos, and, and a gentleman told me he was the uh, like the liquor manager at the uh, hotel we were staying at, and just to set the scene for the audience out there, and uh, we went to uh, we went to Vegas because a family member uh, on that side of the world, the geo side of the world, was doing a trade show as so many many people do, and we uh, we were able to kind of piggyback on that uh, that trip. So stayed at the Renaissance right next to. The convention center. Those of you that know Vegas, and Dave's right, I've been to Vegas on, you know, probably 20 or 30 independent trips now over the years. And uh, I'll be back in November, right? Heading back at right around Halloween time with the NHRA, and it's going to be great. And I'm excited. But uh, the guy told me, oh, it's slowed way down. And I was like, surprised because to me, it felt very crowded and borderline uncomfortable. And I'm sorry, I. I, I'm vaccinated, I wear the mask, the whole thing. I fly on planes all the time. I'm traveling, I'm at races, which are outdoors. But there were a lot of people in Vegas, guys. Saturday night in front of the Bellagio, it was 30 people deep. It was packed. It was packed. And I just didn't feel uh, good about it, except for the mask mandate. I told the guy, I was like, hey, no mask mandate, I'm not here. We would have canceled with no mask mandate. Because to me... I don't want to use dramatic words like suicide because that's too much, <laughs> but I don't think it would have been responsible for me to go there. I've got an immune compromised dad. I got to go out to races. I work with a lot of people. Um, I felt good though with the mask mandate. So we rolled in Saturday, cleaned up, went to the golden steer, the golden steer. Are you familiar with the golden steer, Dave? I, I am not at all. Neither jo am I, Joe. So steak steakhouse. Very disappointing, gentlemen. It's okay. That's why I'm here. 
the Golden Steer is Las Vegas's oldest continuing continuously running steakhouse. It okay. was there where it was where the Rat Pack would go after their performances at the Sands. They've got uh, all kinds of it's very old. It's exactly what it was. And I had a great time. You know, some some people in my party were like, yeah, this is just an old steakhouse. And I'm like, exactly, because that's what I love. I love the classic Vegas tradition. I want to feel the energy of Frank and Dean, and I want to feel that old school Bugsy just energy. And it's very strong at the Golden Steer. Um, So I had a great steak. And then uh, Sunday, we took the monorail. Believe it or not, I had a rental car, but we took the monorail around. Got a day pass on the monorail and uh, went to MGM. We're going to go see a magic show was the plan. And I'm going to take you all, including the listeners, down this journey the way I experienced the journey. Because I want to see how you react to my journey. Okay. Okay. So we go to the MGM, and now we're going to go get these tickets for David Copperfield. And people were everywhere. It was very, very crowded. Was it the most crowded I've ever seen it? I don't know. But it was definitely very crowded. And remember, the guy told me that their numbers were down because of the mask mandate. So we get in line to get tickets for David Copperfield. And 40 minutes later, we're talking to the person. And then 40 minutes later, we're getting the tickets. But it was a real negative experience. Yeah. They're understaffed. They're so understaffed. They don't have they don't have the resources to handle what they've got. Nobody wants to work. Well, I don't know if it's that or right. that is correct. Give the you know, you guys can enlighten me and, and, and but there were there was not uh, sufficient staff. Yeah. Where did you stay? Well, we were stayed at the Renaissance, um, which is by the you convention center. By the convention center. So anyway, we get the tickets. And now we're going to go through the casino. Because remember, we got a uh, 10-year-old with us. And the gambling is going to be held at night uh, when, you know, the kid's asleep. So we are going to schlep through the MGM. And anybody knows that that's a long schlep. Because we're going to go to some tourist stuff out there on the Strip. And we're going through... And it's a it's a group, and I'm not going to list everybody that's in the party. Some people are you know family, and some people are not family, and they're you still got a, a decent group of people going through the casino. And we're bowed out the door by uh, Las Vegas Boulevard, and all of a sudden I hear this really loud noise, thwack, and I'm looking back and I see someone in the party flying through the air and <laughs> lands on the ground. The uh, the casino carpeting and then the marble as you walk in and out, you know, there's granite or marble or something. There's, little, there's like a little metal border. One of the borders was sticking up and caught the foot of my friend. And oh, no. A full-on trip and fall right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it was a, a very terrible situation for about an hour and a half. And, you know, I really don't want to go into depth about the way it was handled because it's upsetting. Um, there was a lot of effort to kind of, you know, everybody knows there's policies and such, but there's a lot of effort to minimize, diminish, and get us out the door. So at that point, now I got to go back. I get a car. We got to go to a urgent care. Went to an urgent care, uh, et cetera. I'd rather not go into 
too much detail, but you're getting the vibe, right? We were having a great time, and then all of a sudden, a bad thing happened. But the good news is, we fought through it. We went to the In-N-Out Burger on Paradise, got myself a double-double, fries, shake, enjoyed that, <laughs> and then called it a called it a night. Um, well, I don't know how you did gambling, but it sounds like this gentleman in your group was the one who hit the jackpot. Well, from what I'm, you know what? No, the answer is no. And for everybody who might be thinking that, the answer is no. Because from what I understand, and Joe, you could enlighten me, um, there was, you know, as far as like permanent damage immediately, you know, like a broken bone or like that, there wasn't really that. Well, it's just a. Let me explain something to you, Joe, because it amazed the hell out of me. We, we call it the. Uh, $100,000 lollipop because we had a, a guest slip on a lollipop. Okay. I see her in there quite frequently. Um, not to make light of her fall. Uh, don't know the extent of her injuries when it occurred, but that's how much she got uh, that the insurance decided to settle for. Mm. Well, so here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. Honestly, and this is genuine. As much as I watched it and guys like as, you know, there's people that make a living doing that kind of thing. This was as legit as it gets, but it's none of my business at this point. It's none of my business. Like, it's not me who did it. And uh, we'll see, you know, but I don't know. I think it's just going to I have no idea. So I don't want to go too in depth on that. But at that point, that day was pretty much over and uh, went about it. Got up on well, months. Yes. I was just going to say, it sounds like you were out there like about 10 days. Did you have plenty of things to do or were well, you just like uh, by the end saying, God, I got to get out of here? No. Well, we went to the trade show. We did a little bit of that. Definitely not got to get out of there because Monday we got up and went to the pepper mill, which, uh, you know, I love, it's all about eating. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the pepper mill. Are you familiar with the pepper mill? No. Joe? <laughs> Everything I told you about the Golden Steer is also true for the Peppermill Fireside Lounge over there by where the Riviera used to be, now across from the new World Resorts Casino, which I did not get to go into the World Resorts um, just because, but had breakfast at the Peppermill. It's unbelievable. And yes, I've spent a lot of time in Vegas. Uh, In fact, a, a friend of mine wrote a book called The Guy's Guide to... Las Vegas. Guy's Guide, Little Black Book to Las Vegas. And he was on the TV show American Casino. And so we spent a lot of time. He did a lot of research, finding a lot of places that I have gone and uh, found out, get that classic Vegas experience, et cetera, and so on. But we go to the Pepper Mill, eat breakfast, go to Hoover Dam. Kind of a Nevada sights day. Yeah, that's right. cool. I had never seen the Hoover Dam. Unbelievable. Really? All the times you went there, you never told me about a half hour, 40 minute ride from there. Stunningly close and stunningly impressive. You know, Joe, as a younger man, I wanted to party it up in Vegas, right? But this was a different experience. And so I just went with the flow. We went to Hoover Dam and I loved it. I didn't just like it. I thought it was great. The only problem was 110 degrees or pretty pretty warm. Yeah, I was going to ask. It must have been really hot out there. 110, 107. It's been worse. Um, but Joe, we, did, you, did you take your picture with one foot in Nevada, one foot in Arizona? I did. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What kind of person goes to there? Yeah, and, that's why I asked. That's why I asked. 
And, you know, for people who are listening, obviously everybody's a poker degenerate who listens to this podcast, and you guys should subscribe, and I love it. Um, there's so much to do out there. There's so much to do. And I'm thinking about this for the families. Like, if you've got people who are thinking, oh, you know, I got a kid, I can't go to Vegas, the answer is no, you really can. There's so much entertainment out there that is in addition to everything that happens in the casino. But anyway, after Hoover Dam, we went to the Red Rocks Canyon, drove there, straight there. I don't know if you've been there. Beautiful no. rock formations and uh, hiking. We A drive-through. It's a drive-through loop. You don't even have to get out of the car to appreciate it. It's 15 okay. bucks for a car load. It's really beautiful. But that was the end of all the sightseeings. We bring the, the young man back to the hotel and then switch hotels to the Cosmopolitan. And I have a friend that I uh, work with that is uh, a casino host there. And so I was able to, you know, go get a room and everything, but got upgraded. Got the upgrade. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a terrace room on the 59th floor overlooking the Bellagio Fountain. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, That's my gosh. Great. It was incredible. It was incredible. And so now feeling great again. And, you know, spent some time. There were some little things, you know, the pool closing at 6 p.m. was a little annoying because they want you in the casino, man. Get away from the pool. Get in the casino. Get in there. Right. But got ready, got down, went into the casinos. And this is what you guys care about. Right. The casinos. They had the plexiglass up. They had a very different kind of plexiglass situation than what I've seen at the Hard Rock. Um, More basic, more like a wall in front of you. Whereas the ones that I've seen are kind of a concave situation that give you some space and give the dealer less space. These were more of a wall that gave the dealer more space and the players less space. Um, it was a little strange. Casino, f- too full for me to feel comfortable for nighttime gambling, even on a Monday night. Just didn't feel uh, great about it. So made it more of a hangout. Went to the, uh, what is it? It's a tequila bar called the Secret Donkey or something. It's a secret tequila bar behind an exit sign there's an exit sign you go and you go to the exit sign and suddenly you're inside a secret tequila bar except there was like 50 people in a room the size of the room you're in dave whatever the room is there's 50 people in there had to vacate i just uh, many people i know would have just bellied up to the bar and start doing shots and enjoyed their lives i didn't feel great about it i walked in walked out Enjoyed the casino, chandelier bar, pulled some slots, had some fun where I could. Stayed there that night. The next day got up, hit the casino again. Played some roulette. Didn't play any card games because of the plexiglass wall. I just uh, didn't really feel great about that. Should have. In retrospect, I should have. But I didn't. I played some roulette. Got really... Normally I hang tough in roulette. I got wiped out. Like it was yeah. a brutality, uh, just wiped out. And uh, but whatever, went and pulled some more slots, went and hung out, enjoyed my time. Had 4 p.m. checkout, and then uh, you know the rest of the trip was kind of a, a coast. Enjoyed some more meals, had some more times, about in and out some other casinos. Uh, you know, checked out as much as was possible, and just loved the experience. Now, you're not a poker player, and we didn't pay you to be a poker reporter or anything like that, but uh, what what was it you heard uh, in the discussions? Were the poker rooms down? Uh, were the hotels, you said the, that they had said that the hotels were down. Was the strip packed at night? Uh, you know, uh, people walking around in the uh, 
evening temperatures of 98 degrees? On, on Saturday and Sunday night, yes, yes, yes. Lots and lots of people. And I've been there on New Year's. I got married in Vegas. I've been there on, you know, the biggest nights. And, of course, it wasn't New Year's, but it was big. On Tuesday, it had actually slowed down. Like, Tuesday night, you look down on the Strip, and it was lesser. Um, but it was it was crowded. But remember, the beverage manager at my hotel said it's, it was down. We're down a lot because of the mask mandate, which just had me thinking— how crowded was it before? And so here's the story from the people that I know. Poker room specific, I, I, I can't give you any poker room specific stories, but I can tell you from a couple people that I talked to that they were fighting some interesting challenges, and I want to be delicate about what I'm saying. Like, here's the thing. The people who got the check from the government that was designed for them to pay their rent and feed their kids and do all these good, positive things. Many of them went to Vegas and just went in there. And there was a bit of an issue being discussed about that element, an element, an element, that uh, is still there, that is kind of, they're trying to move it along. And, you know, some safety talk, I didn't see anything. But some safety talk out there with uh, the masses walking up and down the walkovers and the skyovers and everything. Um, and crime? You're talking about crime? I am talking about crime. I am talking about some you know petty crime. I'm talking about uh, some homelessness, that kind of stuff. There was more than I had seen, but it only makes sense. Um, and there you go. Uh, swung by the Golden Tiki, which is a very classic tiki bar in Vegas. And uh, it was just, it's in Chinatown, crazy packed, crazy packed, didn't bother to go in. Um, But all that having been said, I'd go again tomorrow. I enjoyed it. It's right in my alley of what I like. Um, They're coming back. They're coming back. The only thing that's going to stop them is a resurgence of the COVID. Like if the COVID numbers continue to go up to a point where... They're in a bad spot with medical services and whatnot. That could slow things down. But Vegas wants to be back, and it's pretty much it's pretty much back, even with the mask mandate. Well, they had an NFL football team last season, but uh, people were not allowed to go to the games. So now they're opening that up. People are excited about that. And you probably were out there during the tail end of the Olympics. Uh, what did you notice about sports betting? Is there still a huge interest in that out there? I noticed that the Dolphins were uh, 35 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, and I was thinking about plunking down a, uh, a hundo on that just to be in the game, but then uh, I, I got talked out of it because, you know, sports gambling is going to be here in Florida soon enough and just hang out, and that way you don't have to. And I, I said, okay. And so, but um, the sports books were not as busy as I had seen them in the past. There was a tournament, that D-League tournament, uh, right, that was right. th- that was going on. Many of the players and coaches were staying at our hotel. Uh, the Summer League. The Summer League, exactly. That was going on. The Olympics were over. But uh, it was a little bit of a, uh, a, little bit of a, a sports hole pre, 
you know, preseason football just getting ramped up. But it was yep. a good time to place a future uh, wager on the NFL, and I considered it. And I, I, I bounced in and out of a couple of sports books. Uh, I went through Bally's. I went through, uh, you know, quite a few different casinos just traveling around, and I always checked the sports book. And they did not seem to be as busy as they had been in the past. Did, did they take bets on the Olympics? The Olympics were not on the board. I believe it was over when I got there. Remember, it was two Saturdays ago. So you so you didn't hear anything about it? No. Was, I'm very curious as to if they actually uh, took some of that action. I would, I'm would. i not going to say, but I would venture the answer okay. is yes. Okay. but Because uh, so, they had all kinds of different action up on the board. It's just, so, it was interesting. So outside of an early face plant, uh, you stayed pretty uh, healthy and safe. Sounds like I felt like I could stay healthy and safe. I felt like, uh, you know, I had beverages. I enjoyed myself. I, I did, you know, some gambling, not as much as I would have normally because it's so sociable. It's so social. Half of the fun of gambling for me, I don't know about you guys, but is the experience with my fellow gamblers at the table with the dealer right. and checking it out. Like we walked through Bellagio and, you know, Bellagio is just a, unbelievable thing but just too many people guys yeah so yeah. i had to i had to i'll be back well, in november hopefully things will be better and i'll have a little more uh a little more courage to belly yeah, up we might, we might pay you to step in on the world series of poker and check it out <laughs> yeah I, you know, i'm happy yeah, you know, if you were uncomfortable now <laughs> well, exactly. that ain't gonna help you october's normally one of the slower times over there but with the world series of poker i would only imagine how packed it's going to be. Yeah. What are yeah, the dates sure. on that? Well, they uh, finish up the uh, middle of November, I think, uh, maybe November 14th. So uh, I'll be heading out, I believe it's October 28th or something, and I'll be staying well, for about 10 days. Okay, yeah, it's perfect. I think the main event starts on November 4th and uh, finishes like the, the 9th, something like that. Credential me up, guys. Credential me up. I'll do the report. I don't tell that you stay there, Joe. Where is that near? The Renaissance. It's behind the Palazzo. Like, if you know where the convention center oh. is, um, over there by Westgate, the Westgate yeah, is right sure. near so, the... So it's by the Palazzo and the Venetian. It's behind the Palazzo. Damn, how did I not see that when when uh, my friend, as you guys know him, Paul, yeah. got married down there? We stayed at the Venetian in the Palazzo. That's and the that. Resorts World that you mentioned, that just opened, right? Resorts World just opened. I put a, a decent amount of effort to try to go check it out. I had a friend go in there, and he told me, quote-unquote, don't bother. And at that point, it got knocked down a couple of, of rungs on my should-I-check-it-out list, and I wasn't going to inconvenience everybody that was with me. To yeah. uh, to go see it, but okay. you know it's a it's a it's a Conrad, it's a Hilton, it's basically a couple of different uh, brands Companies, yeah. inside the same place. It looks neat. They've got a giant video screen on the on the front of the building. Um, it does it does reflect horribly in the wind. You know, now you look at the wind, and the wind is artwork. I don't know if you guys get the same kick out of the amazing architecture that I do. But when I look at the, I could stare at the wind and the encore all day long. Like those buildings are beautiful, and now there's this big reflection of World Resorts in the wind or the encore. It's like ah, but um, now great time. Uh, Again, 
for a first Vegas like vacation in a long time, I enjoyed the heck out of myself. Uh, and this wasn't even full on Vegas like partying. This was more of a conservative trip. But I would go back tomorrow. I felt comfortable enough to have fun. I did put a little hit on in, on my uh, on my gambling, but and, and the Cosmopolitan is next level. Like I loved the Cosmo, you know, for the I'd call it the younger crowd, uh, to be honest, which I still feel like I can blend in with a little. And, and Gio and his family had a great great time. I'm sure they didn't stay as long as you did. I guess no, they they did. They did same oh, they uh, did. same schedule. Okay. Flew out together, flew back together. Great oh, okay. f- flight on a 777 and, and got uh, just some really great seats, great travel, all of that. Um, yeah, they had a good time. I'm going to give I'm, I feel confident speaking for them. They had a good time. It was a good trip. And so Joe, thumbs up to Vegas. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you mentioned something at the start of your, your, your journey there, your trip, uh, about being so understaffed. Yes. And uh, it's not just Vegas. I don't know if Big Dave can attest to this at Mania, but we are so understaffed throughout the whole casino. And from my understanding, it's true with every single casino down here. Yeah, for sure. Which kind of puts a hamper on your experience. You know, as much as we would love to, you know, take care of everything, we've got people who have been given jobs that all of a sudden go, you know what? I've had second thoughts. Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) And I'm telling you, it's, it is an amazing amount of, of, of people that have done that over the last five, six weeks. And, um, I don't know if, uh, you know, you've heard anything over there in Dania, but when Joe mentioned that, you know, I can't help but think how bad, like Joe said, what was the time limit that you were on the line, Joe? Just because they were understaffed? Forty minutes. A shocking amount minutes. of time. There was only three people in front of me. That's the thing. You get on a line with three people on it, and you think, okay, this will go quickly. They want to sell me these tickets. They want to move. But they couldn't. There was either, you know, maybe it was a combination of the staff they have. Maybe they're not fewer, but maybe they're less knowledgeable which is also a way to slow down a line. Like, you know, people who are good at their job fly through these things. And I'm not saying these people were bad at their job, but everything moved slowly. It was just slow. And and let me ask you something, because, you know, as soon as you mentioned that, Dave, I don't know if you thought about it, but all of a sudden, you know, the biggest complaints we've had over the last few years concerning uh, the WSOP is the long lines for registration. Right. You know, how is this going? How is this going to affect that? You know, we, we're only a little over a month away from this thing starting, you know. And, um, yeah, you're right, Joe. I mean, you know, the, the for people who, you know, want to, you know, be overly cautious and, and rightfully so, uh, you know, Vegas has gotten like that. Our place, you don't have to go to Vegas Stop by, stop by our casino or any of the ones down here. I'm sure on a Friday or Saturday night, and uh, I guarantee you, you're not going to feel very comfortable, Joe. Uh, <laughs> they, they are completely, completely packed. So, and can I ask? Go ahead. Can I ask your uh, an opinion on this? Because you know, people have listened to the show. Like I'm, I'm worn out on bad news too, Dave. I'm worn out on bad news. Like I've, we've had a lot of bad news for over a, a year and a half, two years, just cascading bad news 
from every direction, and it's terrible. But the numbers are going back up, and people are getting infected, and some of them, a percentage of them, are dying, and it's a pretty big number, right? If that number keeps going up, it's only going to make things worse and worse and worse. And even if we decide we are totally okay and going to stay open no matter how bad it gets, how are you going to get people to work? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. And Joe knows that poker players uh, are very prone to complaining when they don't get things the way they want. So uh, I can't help but think that this could be a monumental disaster this year at the World Series if they don't if they don't get the staffing up. Well, and Jen, let me tell you something real quick, Dave. I don't know if you're getting this at Dania, but Joe, it's it's funny. The poker room is a it's it, it's it's like a mini stage of the world and, and the world that we're living in now because I would say every day that I'm in that room, five or six people are complaining that they got to wear masks, okay? And, and half of the room has their masks, you know, under their chin, and you're constantly telling them, guys, you got to, you know, yeah, ma'am, you got to put them up. Yeah. And the other half is complaining that they don't have their masks on properly. So, right. So, so nobody's getting along. No, no, because, you know, half the room feels like Joe does. The other half feels like, you know, what the trending, you know, feeling is now, you know, this thing has had us, uh, you know, a year and a half locked down, you know, and. All of a sudden, things opened up over the last few months. Last year, Joe just mentioned all the numbers have skyrocketed. My daughter, who works within the Memorial Hospital system there in Broward, goes, you know, it's they're at capacity, you know, and it's and it is very ugly numbers. But it's so funny that you know, uh, so many people just don't care. Yeah, they don't want to be deterred. They they want to do what they want to do, and. you know, you know, it's just going to continue. Damn it, throw caution to the wind. And uh, if it happens, it ha. You know, I love the brave talk, though, right? I don't know if you guys have heard it so much because, Joe, I don't know what, where you go, you know, when you take your trips to, to represent uh, your sport. But, you know, it's like, hey, if I get it, I forget it. And then this and that and the other. And I'm like, yeah, you you know, you're, you're, you're talking through your rear end because – if you have to suffer through some of these things that I've known people to have suffered with, you know, you, you, you would never be saying those idiotic comments. Yeah, and sure. uh, but but you can't change them. It's no. the conversations I've had to avoid in my own room as to why certain dealers won't get vaccinated. I have to walk away because I'm going to piss somebody off. And they're going to quit the job or, or, or we're going to get into a fight. So well, let me ask I don't you, know if you're going through the same thing. Let me ask you this. Um, if the people who are concerned but still play, if they all stop playing, can the room still be profitable? No. And if no. the people, right. And, and if the people who don't, you know, damn the torpedoes, right? Like, let's just go, and if I get it, I get it, and I am strong, and the people who are dying, those are the weak people, and I am going to be fine, and that's it. If those people stop coming, can the room survive? Seriously doubt that also. Okay, so we got, Some you know, rooms will. Some rooms will. So it's, you it's... You know, um, it's, it's, 
similar to um, when they started putting the non-smoking mandates out there, you know, I don't know how many years ago. Yes, 20, good 20 analogy. years ago, people thought that, you know, casinos and all of this would just go by the wayside, poker rooms, and, you know, guess what? It's gotten to the point where, you know, Vegas poker rooms started saying, well, the hell with it, the, you know, <laughs> Too many people who don't want it to smoke, and the dealers chimed in, and, um, you know, it changed. So even though, you know, there's a mask mandate, and it's, you know, frustrating as hell to consistently tell the exact same people over and over and over again to put on your damn masks, um, it, it it's the new world. It's our new reality, and... Uh, the one thing I don't hear anymore, and I don't know if Dave, I know you're, you're new to this now over there, but the one complaint that I don't hear anymore is that we only have, I'm dealing the seven players in my room. I know there's a few rooms that have gone to eight, and I yeah, guess others that have gone to nine eight. players, but no one has complained over the last, good Lord, I don't know how many months that I haven't heard somebody say, hey, so when are you going to go to eight players, nine players, when are you going to fill up the room? Right. Uh, I don't know if that's because of the rise now. They're feeling a little safer with seven, which is, you know, an oxy. It's, it's ridiculous because we all know you put seven people plus a dealer on a table. There's no way to be six feet apart or to, you know, it's, it's just uh, uh, a rule that they have in there for I don't know what reason. But um, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to full tables, at least down here. Yeah. Yeah, hard to see. Listen, guys, let's go ahead and hit for a first break here. I do want to talk about the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open and uh, touch on a couple of other things later in the show. Uh, but, Joe, thanks for the, all the input. Uh, nothing better than getting a report on what's happening right now in Vegas. Well, I thank you for letting me share the story. And, and obviously, I know the weekly listeners, they're used to hearing results and poker strategy. And this was kind of like what I did on my summer vacation. But uh, I love Vegas and... Uh, Golden Steer, Peppermill, you never been there. There's a couple of great tips for you. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I do wish I could have spent a little more time at the tables, but you know it's about energy. It's about yeah. how you feel. It's about energy. If you go to the table feeling negative, you're not going to win. Uh, it's about energy. I'm a big energy person, right? I'm not a real—I uh, play blackjack, and I just wasn't feeling it. And so, you know, I would have loved to have had a great— I want a bunch of money story like I did in 2019, but uh, I just, I wasn't feeling that kind of energy, not yet at least. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, let's take a break here in the program. Come back, we'll talk a little Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open and uh, a few other things here on Poker Action Line. We'll take this break. Uh, be sure and check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, any place where you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, rate the show, give us a review subscribe to uh, get notifications on when the new shows are up. We appreciate all that stuff. And we'll be back with today's show when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. 
The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the second half, of, second half of the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, and Joe Costello on today's program. The Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, another huge success over there in Hollywood. As uh, you know, they opened the uh, the Guitar Hotel in 2019, and uh, <clears throat> you know, obviously, COVID kicked in right after, and it really kind of uh, gave them a hard time to really cash in on such a great property. This year, we saw it. And uh, they had 43 trophy events with a total uh, number of entries to just under 20,000 players. The guarantees were set at 9.56 million for the 43 events, but the total prize pool ended up being over 21 million. But, uh, um, you know, it's basically one of those things that um, they played it fairly safe. They didn't know how it was going to turn out, and it uh, was far better they could, than they ever could have imagined. Uh, they did not have the plexiglass up, and players were not required to wear masks. Uh, I guess that could be a problem all its own later down the road, but uh, there were plenty of big-name players, uh, plenty of brand-new champions. When I look down the, the, the champions list, I see people that I had never heard of before, never seen before, 
but uh, we have a whole new group of players. We did have a win from Raminder Singh, who is a local player here that uh, has uh, won several tournaments at the Hard Rock over the years. Uh, he won uh, the $200 double green ship bounty during the first week. It was his seventh title now, tying him with David Prochiak for first place among overall wins. Also, Michael Newman, who we've had on this show before, he had five uh, wins going into this uh, version of the series and picked up another win in the $400 Turbo Tournament at the end. He now has six total tournaments. Uh, but we had some big names, uh, guys that have been on the show, uh, won some tournaments, and uh, very happy that uh, we had some name players like Joe McKeon, the former World Series of Poker champion, who won the 25K High Roller, Sam Sovereil, who is a well-known South Florida player, picked up the win in the final tournament, the 10K No Limit Hold'em event. Shannon Shore picked up a win. Sam Panzico, another local player that uh, is uh, pretty much has a nice uh, national profile, got a win. And Jeff Trudeau, who's uh, won several tournaments, uh, also picked up a win. Uh, TK Miles, uh, also from Florida, was a winner early in the event. Also, we had uh, Yuval Bronstein pick up two wins in mixed games, Omaha 8 and the PLO early in the event. And uh, some big names down the stretch in some of the big tournaments that I want to talk about a couple of those events. The main went to uh, a player who was originally from Haiti, lives here in South Florida now. His name is Dimitri Vorbe, and he's really just a recreational player, but he picked up the win in the tournament and uh, cashed uh, for uh, the total was... Uh, Let's see, where is that here? Uh, I don't have it right here. But uh, Dimitri, uh, we'll talk about that in a second and when we get to the uh, results of that because um, it was an interesting field that, as it ended up in the, and we got a chance to see uh, guys that we've had on the show. Steve Karp uh, had a had a decent tournament, finishing eighth in one event, cashing for $31,000. That was the 2650, part of the big four. Uh, our good friend Al Gomez also had a big payday. And uh, we had some interesting stuff. But, Joe, I wanted to talk about a couple of hands and a couple of major events. And it really, one that stuck out to me was the high roller. Because you had some big name players. And uh, just to talk about coming back from a late break with four players to go. Uh, we got a chance to, uh, to see what was going on there. And uh, these players were all generally uh, right in the same ballpark. We had uh, the chip leader was McKeon with 2.8 million, and then you had Thomas Boyvin uh, with 2.4 million, and also uh, second place finisher ended up being uh, or the fourth place finisher ended up being Jake Daniels. He had 1.3 million at the time, 1.375. And finishing in second eventually was Darren Elias, who's won a number of major WPT events. But I wanted to kind of run it by you because you come back from a big break with four players left and big money on the line, uh, 629, 629,000 up top that they're playing for. What is the uh, really strategy outlook when you're heading into that? Well, for me, um, you said the bottom, Joe McKeon was tops with 2.8. and 2.8, two, guy two guys at 2.3, 1.4. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, again, you know, don't know what the blind structure is, but obviously you're going to be the big blind, and the, and if they're doing the big blind ante, every four hands. 
So, you know, if those blinds are somewhere where you're talking about, you know, 50, 100, I, I, I'm just guessing here. Well, let's say uh, I have it here. It's the, the blinds were 30, 30 and 60,000 with a 60,000 ante. With a $60,000. So every four hands, it was costing you 150000 Right. So you're the short stack there. You're looking at ten, every four hands where you're at right now is a little more than 10% of your chips. Okay. And for the other, for Joe McKeon, obviously 5% of your chips. So you could, you could be more aggressive. You've got the chip lead. Um, I've, I don't know how long the dinner break was, but you know, I've, I've been in tournaments, uh, mostly online where we did go to a break and I was, talking to myself, depending on the positions that I was in, as to how I was going to approach this. Um, when you're the short stack, you know, as you've seen in a bunch of these tournaments on TV, you know, I, most short stacks get aggressive as soon as they can with, uh, you know, with a relatively strong hand, the first relatively strong hands. It's, you know, you, you figure you're going to be the odds-on favorite to have the best hand. Um, knowing that other players know you might be aggressive just for the sake of being aggressive, having them think that. And the third thing on that, Dave, is what's the money jump? If Was there an agreement amongst these four players or did they well, just play as it, it out? As it turned out, they did have a partial chop, I guess a three-way chop is what it, no, the two-way chop at the very end. Uh, uh, McKeon well, and Elias. There was no agreement between the four people correct, coming back. Correct. Uh, the the fourth place prize money was uh, one hundred ninety seven thousand, and third was two eighty five, and then uh, on up from there six twenty nine, and I believe four something for uh, second. Right. So you're looking at you're looking at one ninety seven or one ninety five. You said to two eighty five. Right. So you're looking at fifty percent more from fourth to third. Right. That's a significant pay jump. So depending on where you sit, you know, um, in comparison to, to who's ever in third, like the person who's in fourth, if he's close to the guy in third, you know, these guys are playing for a lot of money. This is a $25,000 buy-in, correct? Right. And, um, you know, don't know if they have backers or not. But it doesn't matter, you know, $85,000, 80-something thousand dollar jump from first to second is significant. And um, strategies change based on all of that, Dave. You know, if you're one of these players that's, you know, we used to make uh, Stu Unger, uh, Phil Helmuth, you know, such, you know, ruthless players, they didn't give a damn about the money. Yet they knew you did. And as soon as a top pro knows that somebody cares about the money, off they just go for the jugular. Yeah. You know, because they know unless you're sitting with pocket aces, kings, ace king, you know, you're going to be too afraid to make a move, you know, because you're hoping somebody else gets knocked out so so that you can move up. And by the time you get to that position, you know, if you were able to survive that, well, yeah, it's great. You've made a lot more money, but now you, you practically have no ammo for your gun to continue the fight. Right. And, uh, you know, 
then by then, what you've done, I mean, go back to the main event with Joseph Chong, okay? Uh, the gentleman who was from... Uh, from John Raisner. John, John Raisner. You know, if Joseph Chong cared or the other gentleman cared about the jump in money, which at that point, if I'm not mistaken, was a little over a million dollars, <laughs> they would not have played that hand, that famous hand, so aggressively. They could have easily have teamed up to knock out Raisner, but they didn't care. They right. went for the win, and, you know, Raisner was the beneficiary of a, you know, million-plus jump. But at the same time, he knew that it was going to be not impossible, but very close to it to win the the title. Yeah. So, you know, once he got second place, once Joseph Chong was eliminated, yeah, you know, you you play what you can. But uh, you know, it's such an uphill battle. But that's the flip side of winning an extra million and change. So I don't know how these guys played it. Did they have an, uh, a strange hand? Well, not really. Kings ruled the day toward the very end there. Um, uh, Darren Elias had pocket kings, went up against uh, Jake Daniels' pocket threes. Uh, the board ran out pretty dry and uh, knocked Daniels out in the fourth place to win the, the 197. And then uh, Thomas Boyvin ended up going head-to-head with Joe McKeon, and McKeon had kings. Boyvin had ace-eight offsuit and was unable to connect on the ace, uh, so um, McKeon knocked him out. But that left those two guys, both with the, almost the same amount of money, about 42, $4.2 million. Uh, so they had to decide what to do. They played a couple of hands, and actually Elias was up uh, $4.8 million to $4.2 million. And they had to decide, and they decided to split the money leave $11,800 on the table in the trophy to play for. And uh, I thought that was kind of strange, but Elias, of course, has many big titles to his credit. McKeon uh, has that World Series uh, main event to his credit and is currently centered number one. Yeah, both are. Both are, without question. So anyway, uh, toward the end, they decided to go ahead. It only went two hands after that. I guess the, I don't even know if they uh, they bet the hand or just kind of uh, ran the board. Uh, Elias had Jack do suited uh, with two uh, two clubs. McKeon had nine four suited in the big blind, and uh, the flop came eight Jack seven. And then a 10 on the river gave him the straight, so he doubled up, and that took the big lead and then finished him off when he had jack-3 offsuit against 5-3 suited. And the board ran out playing, and neither guy picked up another card, so that gave the win uh, to uh, to McKeon. Yeah, they probably decided to go all in, you know, until so one one beat the other just so this thing wouldn't drag out. You know, they they. They played for eleven thousand at that point. They probably each took what half a million home. You said it was yeah, 600, 500, 550 and five thirty nine. There you go. So they each agreed to take five thirty nine, and the winner was going to get in an extra eleven thousand plus the trophy. Right. Exactly. So uh, at that point, you you don't want to be there more than a few minutes. It's like, hey, well, we made a deal. This is what we're going to do. So. You know, so it shows that somebody won more money than the other, and they just decided to push it all in. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Right. You mentioned it all in pre-flop. 
You mentioned Joseph Chong. He actually finished sixth in the tournament, winning 96000 David Peters was fifth, 128000 And then several other well-known South Florida players, including uh, Chad Eveslage, uh, finished ninth. John Reardon was 11th. Barry Hutter was 12th. So uh, some big names in that final group. Nadia Magnus, who I had interviewed last year when uh, during the tournament, who uh, first came upon her in the big game uh, back in 2011. And she's become a pretty good uh, professional player. She finished in eight. So pretty nice names there and, uh, you know, uh, some marquee value. Yeah, yeah, listen, we know they've been putting it on. And now that you mentioned how nice the trophy looked, um, uh, I'm sure that's going to be a little bit of a, not to say that you, you play to win a trophy, but as we've had some of our, uh, as Will uh, Baela has said, he loves to collect trophies. So right, he was there. Uh, that that may attract some players that are on the on the fence as to whether to go to the tournament or not. So, um, it's, stranger things have had that I've seen in the poker rooms, Dave. But uh, again, you know, our state is one of those that's not mandating, you know, masks and stuff, uh, especially in the Indians and in those tournaments. Um, it's going to be very interesting, but yeah, exactly. uh, as you mentioned down here, you know, nobody, nobody even comes close to comparing to, to the hard rock and, uh, you know, another great job, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. I want to mention Steve Carp, who finished eighth in uh, the 2650. Uh, he's been playing very well lately and uh, just give you a couple of his late hands just to, to give you an idea. Cause I'm sure you're interested. Uh, he was down short stacked at the end, trying to hang into the tournament. Uh, the chip leader was Shannon shore and uh, carp had ACE four offsuit and ended up shoving against Jack eight of spades. And uh, the board ran clean for carp and he was able to double up, get back up to 515,000. Uh, a couple, a few hands later, he ended up going up against uh, James Miller, and uh, Steve had uh, Ace Eight offsuit, Ace of Diamonds, Eight of Hearts. Miller had King of Spades, Nine of Clubs. So Steve had the had the lead going into the flop, um, but Miller picked up a nine on the flop, took the lead on the hand, and then unfortunately for Steve, it finished out uh, with blanks, the Three of Diamonds and the Two of Spades. And uh, put left Steve with only 40,000 chips, which he went out, I think, the next hand. But he won 31,000, and uh, he was looking good in his uh, UM logo on his shirt. So uh, what can you say? <laughs> yeah, Dave, I mean, you get to those positions, and again, money jump, blinds, uh, you know, you got to push it. What you think is an aggressive hand, and, you know, I'm sure he wanted a caller that when, he, when it ran clean for him when he doubled up as you mentioned, but uh, it comes, sometimes it's a little bit of a crapshoot at the end. Right. Uh, you've worked so hard throughout a, a, either a long day or a long couple of days, and because of the way the blinds are, as I said, you, you have to get aggressive with, you know, different cards, you know, cards that you wouldn't, you're definitely not going to be pushing that hard at the beginning of the tournament, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in that tournament, Muckle Pahuja finished in third place. Uh, there was actually a three-way agreement toward the very end, and uh, so Muckle picked up 141,000. Shore won 186 for first. Adicha Persetto 
uh, took second place at 170. So uh, a nice turnout in that tournament. I was following that one along uh, online as they went down the stretch, having pulling for Steve to 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 pick out up a big win. But he's uh, he's still got his his ships to come in yet. I think he's a great player. And he's run very deep in a lot of tournaments. I think he's looking for that one crowning victory that will top off his career. Yeah, well, listen, yeah. all you need is one of those, so <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll see what happens with Steve. Uh, and we'll, we'll obviously talk to him in a lot of the different tournaments. Uh, Scott Baumstein also picked up a big win in the four in the 1100 in the big four, uh, 81,000 for his win there. And, uh, so that, uh, rounds out another great tournament with another great, uh, big four. And, uh, you know, I, I think so the, the sky's the limit for the Seminole hard rock, uh, with the sports betting thing, look like it, like it's going to happen here in the fall. Uh, things just keep getting better for them and, uh, they've waited their time. They bided their time. Uh, you know, they went through a COVID season after building that uh, guitar hotel. And, uh, you know, a lot of people find faults with them for certain things, but uh, they are definitely the crowning jewel here in South Florida. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so that's going to about do it for the show. We'll uh, pick up that other topic uh, next week. Uh, some interesting things out there. Uh, Phil Helmuth making some noise heading into the uh, World Series of Poker, firing back at uh, those who picked apart his game. Uh, Ali M. Sarovich won another uh, Poker Gore go tour event so he's going to be someone to deal with in the world series of poker obviously sean perry also playing very well and uh it's going to be a great series i think uh hopefully the covid will not uh set things off and they'll have enough uh people to deal the games to not have any disruptions there so uh we'll look forward to it september 30th the start of the world series of poker at the what could be the final year at the rio it looks like out there and they will play that through mid-November. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. Joe, thank you for everything. And uh, Joe Costello, uh, great stories about your trip out there. Glad you had a great time. And uh, looking forward to uh, my next trip out there. I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, hopefully it won't be too too far in the future. Oh, I hope you do. Thank you for allowing me to you know, tell my story. It was fun. I lived it here on Poker Action Live. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, uh, we will see you next week as well. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing what's going on as we head down toward the World Series of Poker this fall. Uh, I'm Big Dave Lemon saying uh, so long this week for another edition of Poker Action Line. We'll look for you in the next couple of weeks. Please uh, check us out on SoundCloud. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, subscribe to the show, drop a review, send send me a note at on lemondave at yahoo.com, L-E-M-M-O-N-D-A-V-E at yahoo.com, and we will uh, try to get some new topics going there as well. Thanks, guys. So we'll talk to you all next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 